Welcome to the Harrington Star FinTech Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Discussions. I want to showcase people across our industry who are advocates for change. I love to celebrate the wins, but we know there is so much more to be done to ensure that change actually happens to build a truly inclusive industry. In these diversity, equity and inclusion discussions, I have a number of series. The Humans of FinTech, the Talent Surgery, the Maternity and Paternity Stories, and the longest running of all, the Women of FinTech podcast series. I do lots of work to drive change campaigns across our industry to increase inclusion within the workplace. So please contact me to see how we can partner together. You can contact me through LinkedIn or on my email, nadia.edwards-dashti at harringtonstar.com. In the meantime, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Women of Fintech podcast series. We are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges, and walk the talk for change across the entire industry. Today, we are joined by Lauren McEwen, Records Manager at the Pension Protection Fund. Her background is in information and records management, and she's been focusing on developing her skills in information security and privacy. She is passionate about information and believes it's an asset that should be secured and protected in a way that also maximizes its value. She is here today to open our eyes to the wonderful world of information. Lauren, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Um, so it would be brilliant if you could tell us a little bit about PPF. Certainly. So PPF is really quite a unique organization. Uh, we're not a government department, but we do sort of exist to serve the public um, and we provide protection for members of defined benefit pension schemes when their employers go under. So we're funded by a mixture of investments. We have an in-house investment team. Um, we also have recoveries from pension schemes that transfer to us and we collect a levy from current non-gone bust <laughs> defined <laughs> benefit pension schemes. So our in-house investment team, they actually manage one of the biggest portfolios in the biz. I think we're one of the three biggest pension schemes in the UK and they manage about £36 billion worth of assets. And we have about two and a half thousand members. But of course, that's always subject to change because as new pension schemes transfer to us, we kind of never know where our next batch of members is going to come from. Um, our CEO likes to say that we combine the best of public sector and private sector culture. And I think that is quite true of us. So our members are very much at the heart of everything we do. So we have that public service ethos, but we also really value innovation and hold ourselves to high standards as if we were a competitive private sector company. Wow. So there's a lot that you said there. Um, and I think that what would be really interesting is just to hear about your journey, how you've got to this current position, because it sounds like you, you deal with so much. Definitely. And my journey has been kind of a long and winding one, but there has been a thread of focus on information and data all the way through it. So I started off um, with a business traineeship in Australian government. That's where I'm from. Mm -hmm. um, that's quite similar to the apprenticeships here where you work and gain a qualification at the same time. 
So during that traineeship, I had a three-month placement in the corporate information department. And then when I finished the traineeship, they offered me a permanent role, a very entry-level role, corporate information officer. And to be totally honest, I was not thrilled at the prospect (laughs) at the time. I thought it would just be unspeakably dull. I took it for a foot in the door, but I had secret plans to escape as soon as I could. Um, But what actually happened was I became incredibly passionate about information management um, and I stayed in the team for five years. While I was there, they paid for me to do an advanced diploma in record keeping. So I studied that online over the three years. Um, And during that time, I was working my way up through the team till I sort of got as far as I could go and it was time to move on. Mm. Uh, And I moved on in quite dramatic fashion. Uh, My husband and I packed up our lives. We moved from Perth in Australia to London here in the UK. We didn't have jobs lined up. We just wanted an adventure. I was actually at the time thinking about a total career change. Um, But just in the nick of time, I was contacted by a recruiter about the role of PPF. And I found as I read the job description and researched the organization, I felt a little glow in my heart. (laughs) It was the first job I'd seen that really excited me. Um, And it did turn out to be one of the best life choices I ever made. So the role was initially created to implement an EDRMS, which is an electronic document and records management system, and also to help the PPF prepare for GDPR, which was coming in about a year after I joined. Um, So I think quite a lot of records managers around the country felt the spotlight on them at last in the (laughs) lead up to GDPR. There's quite a lot of organisations realised that they needed to implement more proactive management of data to stay on the right side of the law, basically. Yeah. So my first year was a wonderful challenge. I was incredibly busy and it gave me the chance to finally put everything into practice that I had been building up the theoretical knowledge of for the last five years. But once GDPR was in and the EDRMS was live, PPF's new CTO started to make quite big changes. And one of those was the creation of an in-house information security team. So he approached me about the idea of joining that team. I was quite terrified, to be honest. I felt like I'd finally found my place in the world and that everything was about to change. And I was spot on, it was about to change, but it was the exchange of my comfort zone for something that's taken me so much further and I've ended up absolutely loving it. Well, that just sounds brilliant. And it takes us right up to my next question about this current role. I think that um, it's really interesting to hear just what people's sort of day-to-day feels like, because I can imagine with everything that you're looking after and with this journey that's taking you to this role, I can imagine that you know, no, no day is, is the same. And it'd be really good just to, just to hear the ins and outs of that, especially for people thinking about this role in the future for them. Yeah, definitely. Um, it is incredibly varied. You are right there. But I think it boils down to, it's my role to maintain and improve our governance frameworks for information management and security. That's a very broad and it covers a, a lot of stuff. So some of the specifics is, I lead on maintaining our ISO 27001 certification. So that's an international standard that you can be independently certified to. And it's kind of the gold standard for information security. Um, As a team, we're also working towards Cyber Essence Rules Plus and PIMS, which is the snappily titled new new standard for managing personal data. It's kind of an add-on to ISO 27001. And in terms of this role and anyone who's thinking of something like it, 
I do think that having general IT knowledge comes in really handy because a lot of the time my role will include writing guidelines or policies for other technical areas like infrastructure or development. So InfoSec is quite a good option to consider for anyone who's a generalist or has been in one of those other technical specialties and is looking to move into something different. Your, your skills won't go to waste. Mm. Um, and I do think that this role combines my skills and interests really nicely. It's got a technical element, which I've always enjoyed, but it's also about governance, which is where my experience and my qualifications lie. And the core principles of InfoSec are confidentiality, integrity, and availability. So there is a huge crossover with information management in some of those. It's all about capturing the right information, using it in a secure, but effective way, kind of like you mentioned at the beginning, um, and then either archiving it or destroying it so that the whole beautiful cycle can begin again. <laughs> oh, I love that. So let me just hear that again. So it's about confidentiality, integrity, and availability. Yeah, those are the core principles that everything is is based around. Um, yeah. And I think you have to, they're all equally important because if you just focus on confidentiality, for example, you can lock everything down, but then you get no value from it whatsoever because no one can access your information to do their role. So it's a balance between the three. Yeah, that's great to hear and really, really interesting and insightful to hear like what, what you're what your day entails. Um, so my next question is about the challenges that you face. Um, and I can imagine there's a lot that you face, but what I love to hear is like how you overcome those challenges in information. Yeah, well, I, I thought about this quite a lot. And I think the biggest challenge with information is there's just so much of it. <laughs> yeah. um, data growth is kind of exponential in the digital age. I've read that each year, more data is generated than in all previous years put together. It's just exploding. Um, and what I've found is that a lot of companies either never really had an information management program or they just haven't managed to keep up with that explosion in data and explosion in technology as well. Um, so storage is theoretically cheap, but if you just let all of your information pile up in various repositories they may or may not even know about, Again, you're not tapping into that value. Um, so yeah, like you, like you said in your intro, I do believe information is an asset. It's there to be used. Assets are not just things you lock away. You do protect them and preserve them by all means, but you use them um, oh. and information is no different. So I think um, the, the approach to managing this information basically needs to be about, it's, it's no longer sufficient to keep the old way of business areas do their work and they ship off their files to the records department at the end of it yeah. to be archived. Each user needs to take responsibility for managing that information from the time it's created essentially. And then I see our role as records managers and IT to make that process simple, intuitive and secure so that their information is being managed in the way that suits them. They can work in a way that's effective. They have everything they need to hand but behind the scenes, like a smoothly oiled machine, mm -hmm. it is being managed and captured and controlled appropriately. Yeah, that's so interesting to hear. Like I'm writing loads of notes as, as you're speaking. <laughs> um, that's incredible that more data is produced every year than ever before. Like I almost can't, can't quantify that in my mind. But it does, it does make sense the way you've explained that. 
Yeah, and that is that's talking on a global scale. It's things like social media, of course, yeah, YouTube, text messages. Yeah. There's just it from all these different sources, but it does apply in a business context as well because yeah. business decisions can be made via WhatsApp, for example. Yeah. So you have to think about allowing people to work flexibly, but still make sure you capture the information that you need as a record. Yeah, yeah. and that's great to to learn from you when explaining that. So, um, it's a uh, it was brilliant when I first spoke with you and I told you about this Women of Fintech podcast series um, because I'm so passionate about the industry and what we should be doing more for inclusion. Um, so I wanted to ask you sort of my key, my key question on your thoughts on the marketplace and what you think should be happening for inclusion. Yeah, um, well, I'm not, I'm not an expert on this area. So the really big bold ideas like targets and strategies. I, I leave that to the pros, but there are some things that personally I respond really well to. And one of those is definitely just representation. So seeing somebody that you can identify with doing something cool that you might not have thought of before, it really does plant a seed in your mind, even if you don't realize it at the time. So when I, when I think back to my early career, I realized that my boss, the head of IT and the CEO were all women. I didn't even clock it at the time, but I do think that just having that example meant that I have all throughout my career allowed my ambition to just run wild and free like the buffalo. I never had a mental limit placed on me. Um, and I think what you're doing right here, right now with this podcast is really brilliant for that as well, particularly the fact that you speak to women in a wide variety of roles with so many different backgrounds and pathways that they've taken to get there as a, as a young woman or, or not even a young woman, just being aware of the wide variety of career paths and the fact that you can do any of them if you choose is very powerful. Well, that's great to hear. Oh, actually, there was one other thing that I've been contemplating which mm. is I think attitudes with regarding job requirements could do with a bit of a shake-up um, so particularly in technology where yeah. things move so fast I see still so many jobs who are demanding a traditional degree sometimes not even caring what the subject is and when well for example the certification I'm working towards um, CISP which is certified information system security professional security system professional one of those yeah <laughs> um so that is considered equivalent to a master's degree by the regulated qualifications framework so to say that you need a traditional degree when you might have an applicant who has that experience and certification is so arbitrary and limiting and it's excluding candidates who could be from potentially a less privileged background, or they just might not be the formal education type. But those people could be brilliant if given the chance. So I know it's kind of tricky to achieve, but I think recruiting and promoting based on aptitude and passion and drive, not purely demonstrated skills and experience, I think that goes a long way to getting more diverse talent and fresh thinking in the door. I absolutely love that you said that. Um, I couldn't be more of a supporter of it. Um, and, and I promise everybody listening, I did not, I did not pay her to say this. <laughs> she said it on her own back. Your check is not in the post. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm so, I'm, I really am so happy with everything you said there. And what you said there about it being arbitrary and limiting to ask for these traditional degrees, like 
it's it, you're absolutely right with this certification that you're working through right now. Um, so thank you very much for sharing your thoughts on that. Um, my next question is about um, your lessons in your career. So I love asking this question because I really think it can help help people to hear it. But if there's one lesson of your career you'd share with the audience, what would that lesson be? Well, I think it would be to keep your mind open, um, keeping it open to new opportunities, new skills, new roles, maybe new countries, but also to new ideas, new technologies, new methodologies. Um, a lot of the things that I was taught when I studied records management only five years ago, I've since had to relinquish and let myself be convinced of new ways of thinking, which can be quite, quite challenging and difficult to do. Um, as, a, as an example, traditional records management says you should keep all your information in a single structured repository known as the single source of truth. Um, and a lot of people still stand by that methodology. But in today's world, I kind of touched on this before, there are hundreds, nay thousands of excellent but very niche platforms that can deliver a lot more to end users than one system ever could. So I've kind of learned to loosen my grip and find ways to manage information working with all those marvellous applications rather than trying to shut them down or asking users to duplicate their work just so it's in the good old single source of truth. <laughs> That's just one example, but I do think you just, you can't let yourself get too attached to your own ideas and the things that you have experienced or learned along the way because things change, especially in technology all the time. You have to just be receptive to it. Yeah, that's really, really good advice, I think, for everybody um, at, any, at any level and, and, and really good to remind, especially people um, at, you know, in sort of C-level positions within this industry, like they often forget that the, the basics of that and the beauty of that. So thank you for sharing. Um, and my last question is, what is next on the horizon for you? Well, I, I mentioned that I'm studying, working towards the, the CISP certification. So that will be, I'll be very pleased when I manage to get there because that will sort of demonstrate everything that I have been learning over the last eight years, really, but particularly the last three. Um, at work, we're in the middle of a digital transformation program. So I'm supporting the elements relating to data and security on that, learning something new. All the time, hardly a week goes by where I don't pick up some new skill. Um, so that I love that. Um, my my medium term master plan is to become a leader in information security. I don't aim low, uh, and then yeah, ultimately that. one day the plan is to be CIO. Just see if I don't get there. <laughs> and you a hundred percent will. Um, I've got to say it's been so inspirational talking to you today. Um, I feel like I've learned loads about information, um, and I know that everybody listening will have as well. But just to learn about you, and and I love I love what you said about you know, you've, you've been, you've allowed your, you, but you um, compared yourself and your aspirations to the buffalo and you said <laughs> you allowed yourself to run free. Um, and I, and I think that everyone can take a bit of that advice. Um, all of us in our careers at whatever level, like let, let's keep aiming high um, because that's what we deserve. And, and I really, really want us to keep in touch because I want to be in touch with you when you are at your CIO level because you'll definitely get there. So thank you so much for joining us on the Women of Fintech podcast series. My absolute pleasure. Thank you. Bye.